The Crude Life, every Monday through Thursday with a week in review on Friday. Well, ever since I was a little bitty boy just listening to my heroes sing, well, I knew one day if I could find a way, man, I'd be doing the same damn thing. Well, dreams come true, and I know they do, and I can feel the music down in my soul. You better make a little room at the top for a regular Joe. Welcome to the Crude Life Podcast. My name is Jason Spees. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Some have called me the North Dakota Nomad. Others, the Shale Play Prophet. The show, the Crude Life Podcast, the voice of the voiceless is the newest email I received about this program because we give anybody and everybody a voice in the world of energy because we are energy united right here at the Crude Life Podcast, broadcasting from the Hatch Coaching Studios. We have our entitled intern, Provolone, manning the production elements of the podcast. Coming up on today's program, John Clark with Clark Energy Consulting. Mr. John Clark is going to give us an update from the oil and gas sector when it comes to oil prices and politics, kind of that geopolitical war happening. Find out a little bit about the coronavirus. I'm even going to ask him a little bit about the foreign companies that we've been talking about here on the program. That's just been kind of organically percolating out over the past week and a half. A number of foreign companies that are kind of flying under the radar as they pick up some very good deals on companies that are not doing very well in America. As Dr. Lauren Scott said about a lot of companies in Europe right now are looking at the Lake Charles area because it's much easier and cheaper to have a petrochemical plant down in Lake Charles than it is to transport it to Europe. Because in Europe, natural gas is going for like 15 bucks, 12, 13, 14, 15 bucks. And over in America, it's going for two, three, four bucks. So it's much cheaper to do it for that. And that's happening. So I think I might ask him a little bit about that too. John Clark with Clark Energy Consulting coming up and then William Prentice. CEO of Meridian Energy Group on the tail end of the program with our daily update, our daily radio update here on the podcast. Hey, how about that, Provolone? Our daily radio update on the podcast. That's that's what I'm going to call it for a little bit longer until I get bored of that word, phrase. That's what's going to happen. See, that's the type of stuff we get here at the Crude Life Podcast. It's just, it's esoteric energy. It's It's just, we just throw the script out. We have to. In today's day, a coronavirus, environmentalism, 16-year-old girls putting the industry down on its knees. Are you kidding me? You got to throw the script out, people. That's what we're doing. Healing millions and millions here at The Crude Life with our esoteric approach to energy to squelch existential fear. No existential anxiety. You see, alliteration, that's, that's going to do it a little bit more than existential fear. Existential anxiety, now we got alliteration. If we could just get a chant, the end is not near, that's existential fear. The end is not near, that's existential fear. See, now that's got a nice ring to it, much more than existential fear, because now we're rhyming and having fun, but I still like existential anxiety for the alliteration, but anxiety is a little aggressive, a little aggressive of a word for what I'm trying to accomplish here with my impromptu ludicrousness here. So why don't we just move on provolone? This is your job. See how I switched the blame there. It's your job to keep us moving on here. 
Okay, what else do we got here today on the Crude Life Podcast? Summarizing, though, William Prentice will be on a little bit later in the program with our daily radio update here on the podcast. He's going to give some examples of environmental innovations that the Davis Refinery, the Walton Refinery, are implementing in the pre-construction phase. Headlines coming up in just a moment or two. Our featured event today comes from Kansas. The 83rd Annual Convention and Expo, the K-I-O-G-A Kyoga Mid-Year Meeting, happened at the Clarion Inn in Garden City, Kansas, April 15th through the 17th. Links are available at the Crude Life's show page. Next is a little bit of a fun segment. It's our social media moment. We take a moment to reflect on maybe one of the stories that was posted on our social media pages and what the comments were. And this one comes from, could oil really fall less than 10 bucks a barrel? And that comes from CNBC. So we posted that out on our social media sites. And that's the fun part about it because some people think that comes from us and then they get all mad and shoot us an email saying, how dare you do such a story? And it wasn't us. We just are posting it because we're a news organization. So we're posting other people's news. That's that's what happens. Uh, but we posted, could oil really fall to less than $10 a barrel? Well, I got an email from Chad P. And yes, I get it. We also have plans in case China attacks us. No, they never will. But we have plans. But oil below $10? And that email came from Chad P., our next social media moment comes from the Niobrera Chalk social media page we have, and that's from James Richardson. He says, Not with the current rate of hyperinflation induced by government minimum wage increases. Coronavirus may push it down low, but to speculate over a 10-year period what it'll do is like asking your crystal ball what will happen in the future. That's from James Richardson via our Niobrera Chalk Facebook page and then our crude life social media page Jack Hamlin says this is absolutely stupid and is not rooted in any sort of fundamental understanding of oil and gas production there you go folks there's your social media moment right here on the crude life podcast on could oil really fall less than ten dollars a barrel Coming up next, I do want to remind you folks that our music you're hearing on today's program is part of our Crude Life crossover where we try to reach out to people outside of the industry to leverage each other's strengths. You know, really in the spirit of the oil and gas industry, leveraging each other's strengths, we reach out to musicians and we promote and plug their music. So the music you're hearing today is by Blind Joe. Now, Blind Joe had some success with NBC's The Voice. He made it, I think, to the final eight. He was one of Blake Shelton's buddies. And he's a he's an old, sold country music, fantastic person. He really is blind, actually. Uh, I know Blind Joe on a personal level. He's one of my favorite musicians. He's been the performances that you're hearing actually were, were live. We did these live in studio and he's a, he's a good friend. And I really would appreciate you folks if you just check out his music. I'm not a country music fan, but I am a Blind Joe country music fan. I like Willie Nelson. I like Waylon Jennings. You know, the day Icky Bricky Heart hit the airwaves was the day country music died. In my world, the day Icky Bricky Heart hit the airwaves was the day country music died. Now, I understand half of you out there are thinking, Icky Bricky Heart, isn't that Miley Cyrus's dad? Doesn't he sing that? Yeah, it was. And I was pretty young when that came out. But when I was a kid, 
you know, I had Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Merle Haggard, you know, Johnny Cash. These were the country music stars, Dolly Parton. These were the country music stars I was influenced by. So the day Icky Bricky Heart hit the airwaves, which, by the way, I do believe was made for the Oak Ridge Boys. Was that right? I should look that up. I believe that was originally written for the Oak Ridge Boys. And Provolone, look that up for, for our next commercial break. I actually want to find out if I was right on that little tidbit or not. But anyway, so uh, in summary, if you have a band that you would like featured here on The Crude Life, feel free to reach out and email us, jason at thecrudelife.com, jason at thecrudelife.com. Again, we're just leveraging each other's strengths, helping each other out. And for me, I'm just happy to have musicians promoting us instead of protesting the industry. So there is that too, folks. All right, coming up next here, I do want to mention our sponsor today before we get into headlines. And of course, our main event today, John Clark with Clark Energy Consulting, giving an update on those oil price wars and politics going on, the geopolitical side of things, as well as just really, you know, he sent me over some of the uh, uh, stock dives that have happened on Monday in the 15-year low. Check it out. I got them posted at the sh uh, Crude Life's show page. And, you know, like Apache's down 54%, Oxy 52%, Marathon 49%. Check it out. It's, it's quite amazing, actually, when you think about it. So John Clark with Clark Energy Consulting has done some great research, some great work. So we're very pleased to have him on today's program. But I do want to mention our sponsor today, folks. If you would like to sponsor our program, Jason at thecrudelife.com, we'd love to have you. Now, here's why. Because in order to do this program, this podcast, this very popular podcast, and for some reason, over in Qatar, we're getting more popular. So whoever told whoever about us in Qatar, thank you. Thank you very much. Seriously, we appreciate that. Now, Elite Energy Services is today's sponsor. And... Here at The Crude Life, we need sponsors like Elite Energy Services to keep our lights on because not only do we need to keep our lights on, but, but we need to educate, inform, and entertain people on how those lights get turned on because so many people today think it's just from the flick of a switch when it is not. It is the hardworking men and women out there like Elite Energy Services that keep the lights going, not the flick of the switch. So Elite Energy Services, thank you very much. Elite Energy Services' mission is to be the most honest and ethical trade partner of choice, to deliver high-quality, cost-effective projects on schedule by employing and supporting motivated, flexible, and focused teams. Elite Energy Services values the importance of their relationships and will continue to remain fair and true to their dealings with all employees, vendors, clients, and partners. For more information, contact EliteEnergyServices.org or just visit their website, I mean, which is much easier than trying to call them. Of course, with today's handheld computers that work as uh, telephones, boy, you can certainly call a website, I guess, but just log on to their website, EliteEnergyServices.org. If you can't move to it, groove to it, up and slam some booze to it, party to it all night long. If it ain't about whiskey sipping, guitar picking, tractors, trailers, trucks, or prison, man, it ain't a country song. I'd like them real cool old school bar stool jams, all drinking line laughter and love. So if your feet ain't stomping once a band starts a rockin', then brother, it ain't country. No. Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. 
Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery. Brother, it ain't country, no. If instead of using English, you use foreign words. When a competition that you didn't deserve. Some furco wearing wannabes producing your stuff. And brother, you ain't country, no. If you can't move to it, groove to it, up and slam some boots to Welcome back to the Crude Life Podcast. My name is Jason Spies, the North Dakota nomad, the shale play prophet. Our entitled intern provolone is manning the production elements of the podcast, which is being dubbed by a couple as the voice of the voiceless. And if you would like to have your voice heard, come here to the Crude Life Podcast. Just give me an email, jason at thecrudelife.com. We'll see if we can't get you into our podcast schedule here. What do we got coming up next? We have headlines here at thecrudelife.com. Oh, by the way, I do want to mention Johnny Green stopped by, our Earth's champion. Of course, we sponsored Johnny Green's message, which was if you power your cell phone down for one hour a day, we can keep driving our SUVs. And renewables ain't doable without fossil fuelables. I believe that is the theme of today's message from Johnny Green, the greatest environmentalist on earth, the earth's champion. And this comes to us here from Benzinga.com. The main challenges faced by the upcoming EV era. Now, Johnny Green, of course, believes environmentalists have lost their way. So I think this is probably going to be something along those lines. And It's basically a story asking the question, is there enough electricity for many more EVs? So the number of electric vehicles is expected to grow. Do we have the energy system set up for the generation needed for this? And this is going to be trillions of dollars of investments. So that's what this article is about. And also, number two, where will we get the energy from? Oh, there's a number three here as well. Can we charge Where can we charge it? So number one, is there going to be enough electricity? Number two, where will the energy come from? Number three, where can we charge our electric cars? And number four, cash flow issues. Because just the other day we saw Germany's having major cash flow issues when it comes to those. I am not sure what the stock market did to some of the major companies yesterday, but I imagine that it did impact some of their future investments. So cash flow issues, where can we charge it? How can we charge it? And where's the electricity going to come from? Is there enough of it? So great, great little article by Johnny Green. The link is available at thecrudelife.com on our show page. The Earth's champion, Johnny Green, with his Eco Watch. The main challenges faced by the upcoming EV era. All right, let's keep moving on here as I'm sitting in our Hatch Coaching Studios getting ready to talk to John Clark, and we're not doing it by the Bakken barbecue phone lines, actually. Uh, John Clark will be in studio. And then what else do we have happening here? Oh, yeah, headlines. Is it time for headlines? Okay, well, let's take a look at our headlines today. Our first headline comes from businessreport.com. Outlook for oil and gas remains strong. Oil and gas executives say the long-term industry remains high despite the spread of the novel coronavirus and other global actions. Executives from both ExxonMobil and Shell 
U.S. reiterate their beliefs in a growing global energy demand during a joint meeting of the Louisiana Mid-Continent Oil and Gas Association and Louisiana Oil and Gas Association last week. All right, well, there you go, folks. There's, there's the way we do headlines as we read the headline and then the first two paragraphs, and then we make our judgment, our assessment, and move on with life because that's how the average person is consuming today's news. So we're trying to fit in. And actually, when you take a look at this, what, I, what, what I'm taking from this is what I've been saying for the past five years. Ever since the last downturn and I saw that the Permian was pumping out what they were pumping out, and I saw the Bakken was pumping out what I saw what they were pumping out, and I saw how the public-private partnerships were being touted around, and I saw how cozy elected officials were getting with the upper echelon oil and gas companies, not the midstream, not the midsize, but the upper echelon. Listen, government's in the consolidation business, okay? That's what they try to do. They try to centralize and consolidate because it makes life easier for them, which in turn is supposed to make life easier for you. Does it always work? That's a whole different program, a whole different podcast, okay? I'm just telling you the way it goes. Now, what this says to me, ExxonMobil and Shell. Now, I've pontificated on this program to the tune to where we've even started asking this question that in the next five years, is the energy industry going to look like every single other industry in that about 20 companies run it? A dozen companies run the entire, you know, 90% of the industry. And I see energy going that way too. And when you got ExxonMobil and Shell coming out and saying that they're looking strong, well, of course they are. They're one of the big giants. It's the little guys in the midstream and the, and the middle-sized companies that are worried right now. The big ones, they got the jobs. They got the access. They got the government officials. They got the countries. They got the contracts. It's everybody else. So that's what this story says to me. I would go there and take a look at the whole thing because they, they do, as I'm glancing down, looking at this for the first time, they are talking about the Paris Climate Agreement, which would be a huge demand for growth and um, a few other things as well. So I would check it out. But uh, do take a look at what I'm talking about. During the last downturn, you know, the Bakken, for example, that was still pumping out a million barrels a day. And the Permian was still pumping out the prolific Permian. So there's still business happening. It's just who's doing the business and who are they doing the business with and surrounding themselves with. So it's, it's, it's just kind of like that, I guess. On to the next headline, and this comes from bizjournals.com. It looks like from the Albuquerque area. Major oil and gas producer in the Permian cuts spending by $1 billion. A Houston-based energy company that ranks among the leading oil and gas producers in the Permian Basin plans to cut its capital spending for the year by more than a billion dollars. Occidental Petroleum Corporation will spend between $3.5 billion and $3.7 billion in 2020, down from the previous estimates between $5.2 billion and $5.4 billion, according to a March 10 press release. All right, so here's my headline, folks. Occidental is going to spend $3.5 billion next year despite all the fear for the coronavirus and bad OPEC stuff and Mojo and all that other stuff. You know, that, that's one of my issues with what's going on here. I get it. Major oil and gas producer in the Permian cut spending by a billion dollars. That's a headline grabber, okay? 
I'm more of a glass half full guy, okay? Major oil and gas producer in the Permian spending, what was that, 35, 3.5 billion, okay? Yeah, they're cutting a billion dollars. It's 20%. There's enough, cuts by 20%. What about that? Why not 20%? Because a billion is more sensational. That's why. And it's not even true because it is true. They are cutting it by a billion. But at the same time, so that's the expectation now? Occidental's supposed to spend $5.5 billion every year. And if not, the headline's going to get framed that they're cutting spending by a billion dollars. That's that that you see, that's the wordsmithing. That's the little tricks that the media can play. That's the framing in the narrative that when people are talking about they, this big monolithic creature with one eye going around, they that's really what they're talking about. They're talking about that. They're talking about the framework about how that's done. And this is an example. There's a lot of ways that I'm just reading the first two paragraphs. There could be a whole bunch of other ways that that a headline could have went. I'm just reading the first two paragraphs. And listen, $3.7 billion is a lot of money for a company to spend. So to frame it as they're cutting it by a billion dollars, well, that's, that's one way to do it. And that's one way to frame it. And it's a very negative way to look at it. Again, Occidental's going to spend $3.5 billion. I think I might call them and see if I can get some business done with them. Now that I know that they're going to spend $3.7 billion, I know they're spending money. Everybody else is cutting money. I know they're cutting a billion, but at least they're spending $3.5 billion. 3.7 depends on which number you want to read. So I don't know about you folks, but that's what I took from that, that paragraph, the first couple paragraphs and the story. That, yeah, I get it. They're, they're cutting a billion dollars of spending, but they're also going to spend three and a half billion. That's three and a half billion probably more than I'm going to spend. I don't even know if I'm going to spend 0.1 billion. Probably not. I, it'd be nice to, but I don't think I'm going to. So, <laughs> I mean, I wish I could actually. So the Washington Post. Oh, look at you, Provolone. All right. Here's the headline, folks. Protect Alex Trebek at all costs, colon. Live audience banished from Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune. Tapings, virus fears. Oh, I didn't know, actually, is Trebek doing Wheel of Fortune now? What happened to Sajak? Okay, see, I'm getting ahead of myself. I got to read the first couple paragraphs here. Okay. When people tune in to the next few episodes of Jeopardy, 95-year-old Johnny Gilbert's familiar voice will greet them as usual. This is Jeopardy, he will enthusiastically announce, just as he has done for nearly every episode of the show since 1984. But when he introduces the show's longtime host, Alex Trebek, something will be missing. The live audience's applause. Well, I I actually, I want to read more because I didn't realize he was the host of Wheel of Fortune as well, but apparently he is. Is that right? No. Okay. No, no. Pat Sajak and Vanna White, which are all older, it says in the story. <laughs> and Alex Trebek said, I, it was because of the hosts. I didn't know that. It's because the hosts are so old. They're protecting them from the coronavirus. 
Oh, you got to be kidding me. Oh, I thought it was for the people. It's for the hosts, bro. No wonder the headline makes sense. Protect Alex Trebek at all. This just took out a whole... This is why you got to read the whole story, folks. If you just read the first couple paragraphs and move on, you stay pissed off at the world. See, you read a little bit more and you get the humor. You get the fun. Protect Alex Trebek at all costs. Well, I agree. Bob Barker too, right? I mean, my goodness. God, here I thought, see, this is a very important, the more you grow, we're going to grow here, folks. It's time to have a little bit of a growing session because I am all about self-improvement. And here I was thinking this was about the audience's protection. This was about putting the people in danger that go to these live events coming from all over the planet, all over the globe to watch Bob Barker and Pat White and Vanna White and whoever else and protect Alex Trebek. And look at this. Is, is Wink Martindale still around? I mean, I haven't watched game shows in a while, but Chuck Woolery. So, I mean, when I think of this, I thought it was for the people. And no, it's because the hosts are so old. I, I'm sorry, but this was an organic initial reaction. I'm not trying to make fun of old people. I'm one of them. I have gray hair now. I mean, I'm in my 40s. Do you know how old I am? I'm in my 40s. Are you kidding me? I'm so old. Yell at the newspaper for crying out loud. I mean, I've, you should see the look on people's face when I say the word 40. It doesn't even matter what I say after that. They just, it just It's like they, this disappointment just goes over their face. Well, I'm 40, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like they think I'm in my 30s or something. I don't know. They think I'm in my, well, maybe my 20s. No provolone. You're giving me the thumbs up. As, as in I'm right, thumbs up? Oh, no, no. Okay, 30s, 39, 40. Okay, I lost you. Yeah, that's what I thought. But um, that's funny. That's very awesome. So protect Alex Trebek at all costs. And the whole, hey, babe, you know what? podcast we're not going to do any live audiences for a while until this coronavirus i mean you got an old host here old radio guy old newspaper guy old magazine guy here you know geez those awards are sold they got dust on them back in the magazine era back in the new he's got a newspaper award would you win that for wrapping fish the old fish wrap Ha, 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 ha. That's what people used to say to me when I found out I would write for some newspapers. Oh, the old fish wrap, huh? Anyway, so, all right. Have we entertained you folks enough here for this five-minute segment? Because I don't know about you, but I'm ready to move on. I'm even feeling a little bit of environmentalism today to say, let's keep on trucking. Come on, man. Mr. Natural, the nature boy. Woo, keep on trucking. I think I comboed a few things there. I think I put some... 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and today together there with pro wrestling and uh, pop culture. Not really sure what happened there. Well, I'm fairly certain what happened there. I fell off the tracks pretty darn quick here on the Crude Life podcast, but that's okay because we're going to get John Clark in here in just a second. But before we do that, I do want to mention Elite Energy Services is today's sponsor. Elite Energy Services' mission is to be the most honest and ethical trade partner of choice to deliver high-quality and cost-effective projects on schedule by employing and supporting motivated, flexible, and focused teams. Elite Energy Services values the importance of their relationships and will continue to remain fair and true to their dealings with all employees, clients, vendors, and partners. 
For more information, visit EliteEnergyServices.org. You can always click on our Crude Life podcast show page for links there or just visit EliteEnergyServices.org. All right, switching gears here, I'd like to bring in John Clark with Clark Energy Consulting as we talk about some of the things going on with the oil price wars, politics, and even we'll take a look at time for shale fights for survival. It's time to be different. Joined now by John Clark, founder and CEO of Clark Energy Consulting. And hey, well, you get some background. Before we get into the oil prices and, and everything, you, you do have a little bit of background in oil and gas, don't you? That's right, Jason. Yeah, my background, I'm a petroleum engineer. So I've been working in oil and gas since 2008. Uh, I recall... When oil prices were 130 something dollars a barrel, the precipitous drop in 2014, and uh, also the lows we've seen in oil price in 2016, and and recently uh, this weekend as well. So I've um, been in industry o- over a decade, witnessed plenty of changes in the market, and happy to share my perspective. Well, I'm glad that you've got that experience because I do want to ask you, because I, I, I'll i be up front. I, I think this one is different than the other two you mentioned, the other two downturns, 14 and 8. I believe this one is different. We can talk about that later. But uh, let, let's get to your uh, OG brief, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, I got the preview here a little bit emailed to me. I haven't had a chance to read it over yet, but it looks like it's it's what we're all expecting to talk about today, which is... The oil price drop, the word bloodbath has come out many times on the news networks. And let's let's hear your perspective. What should people know? What can people do when it comes to the oil prices? So this week, the OG brief is titled Oil Price War and Politics Shale Fights for Survival. And, you know, over the weekend, Saudi Arabia slashed prices and said that they were going to ramp up production after Russia declined to scale back their output. It's, um, it's a unique situation, and one of my favorite authors, his name is Daniel Jurgen. If you ever get a chance, there's two books that he wrote, highly recommend. One is called The, uh, it's called the Prize, which was written in the 90s, um, Daniel Jurgen is, is a well-known author, and the book, The Prize, is about ultimately the commercialization of oil from John D. Rockefeller to the Seven Sisters through, you know, Standard Oil from the very beginning of, you know, industry finding oil and gas and then basically the chase for the prize for crude oil, you know, how uh, ExxonMobil went into Saudi Arabia, we found a lot of their reserves uh, the Americans got kicked out of Saudi. Saudi took control over, you know, basically what the Americans found for them as their primary per- reservoir and, and kind of just the commercialization of oil and gas, which is interesting. It's a, it's a history book on oil. Um, you can glean a lot of good information um, about kind of how oil has become a political uh, positioning element and the, his second book that came out in 2011 was titled The Quest, Energy Security and the Remaking of the Modern World. I highly recommend that one as well. It talks about how oil, um, 
you know, is, is, is a, can be used as a weapon in geopolitical matters and how Russia, you know, and China play into that as Russia attempts to ultimately, um, you know, grow their resource base as a huge landmass that has a lot of hydrocarbons competing with the likes of Saudi Arabia and the U.S. Obviously, the U.S. has been the number one producer of oil at 13 million barrels per day. Uh, Saudi and Russia just closely behind that. That's that's going to change. Saudi will become the top producer in, in Russia. I, I think this year we'll see the U.S. production decline. But you know, those are the big three players in this market, and and there's definitely geo some geopolitical elements to the the drop in oil price. Well, I think there's several things happening, and the geopolitical is is one thing, and that's the thing I think a lot of people are used to is a lot of the geopolitical. They don't like it, but they're at least used to it. The coronavirus is a little different because, I mean, you're talking about people canceling events and talking about changes in behavior in terms of going to and from work and whether you work from home and whether you work from the office and just simple ramifications and implications there really send a ripple through all kinds of different industries. So uh, are you checking into the coronavirus at all? I know a lot of people are still think it's overblown and a lot of people think it's, you know, it's already here. So I'm not getting into that whole part of it, but it does seem to have had an impact on the energy sector. Absolutely. Daniel Jurgen himself uh, came on CNBC yesterday and he said in the first quarter, they estimated that oil demand was down almost 4 million barrels per day as a result of the coronavirus. That's significant. Um, and, and you know, I, I was shocked to see how much, um, you know, the media covered coronavirus, but also really how it is impacting demand as China factories have shut down, you know, China being one of the biggest demand buyers. And now that it's here in the U.S., you know, we're starting to see more uh, more cases and in, in you know, here in Houston, um, I'm not sure. Rice University canceled classes all week. Uh, so, and I, I've heard other colleges have, have canceled classes, basically an extended spring break for them. But many events have been canceled. Uh, I, I, you know, travel, obviously the airlines use a lot of petroleum and, and they're, you know, people aren't traveling. I haven't, I had a friend that went to the airport recently and he said it was dead. Um, and he travels quite a bit and people aren't traveling. People are staying home. So it, it, it is impacting demand to the tune of 4 million barrels per day. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. So what should people do? That's kind of the million dollar question. And I know that you can't predict the future. So, you know, in press releases, I think they call that forward statements. You know, we got to make sure that uh, we don't get sued for the next question, but there is something to be said about being able to kind of read the tea leaves, being able to check the signs a little bit and navigate yourself through some of these tough times. You know, I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, Trump told everybody to go buy stocks and then the stock market just took a crash. So, you know, not, not everybody could, you know, bat a, a thousand. But uh, what, what are you seeing? What should people, you know, keep an eye on in terms of making decisions, especially over the next, say, next 30 to 60 days even? You know, I think a lot of people are are comparing this crash to you know the one in 2014, 16 
Uh, I guess 2016, if you recall, was a um, you know an election year. We saw oil dip to $26 a barrel in late February, and then it rebounded for the rest of the year. Um, and you know, all was gravy after that. I, I think this year is different. Um, it's 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 different because a lot of the shale ENP companies that were able to secure funding to develop operations, especially in the Permian in 2016-17, have no cash available to them. And so what's what we will probably see is reduction in spending by ENPs, which we we were already talking about this before oil dropped into the 30s. We were talking about this in the 50s. And, and so it's just putting more pressure on the ENP companies um, and the investors are continuing to scream out, you know, capital austerity and free cash flow. And, and when oil prices are in the 30s, companies, you know, most companies are not making free cash flow. And the only way to do that is to reduce costs. And that will be in the form of, unfortunately, could be layoffs um, and possibly, you know, cost reductions. I know um, Diamondback and Parsley Energy came out yesterday saying that they're immediately reducing uh, their rig count and frack crew counts. I think we'll start to see more of that. Um, you know, companies could continue to sell assets, but there's not many buyers at, you know, at, at this point. Um, so it's, it's going to be, you know, the strong will survive. I think the good news is that, a lot, you know, fast forwarding to today, we now know where the more prolific areas in the Permian, which was less explored and was one of the main funding drivers in 2016-17. Now investors know, okay, here are the better acreage positions, and those companies will, um, you know, will seek to possibly see you know M&A activity. Um, the, and you know the the smaller companies may have to merge. So we'll probably see more M&A activity in the next few months, um, but that remains to be seen. I, I think that you're right on that. In fact, I think that was going to happen regardless. I think that when you take a look at, you know, I'm, I'm just looking at my backyard, say in the Bakken, Whiting and um, Oasis. These guys are carrying pretty large debt loads right now. And this was, you know, in December when they were putting out their, you know, their annual reports and their public information, if you will. And like, I think Whiting was $1.5 billion. And that's when oil prices were much better than they were right now. Uh, I do think there's going to be some changes. I think that there's going to be some mergers and acquisitions. I think what's happened right now will probably speed some of it up. And uh, I think we're going to, by the summer, the industry is going to be looking a lot different than it is today. You're right. And, and I think what enabled a lot of operators to reduce costs, you know, in the last downturn was you know, service companies were able to offer lower pricing, but they've, you know, they've scratched to the bottom of where they can offer pricing, the service companies. And I don't know if they can reduce costs anymore. Uh, and so I think, you know, the last OG brief, we talked about drilling longer wells and fracking faster with efficiencies. Those trends will still remain. I think for the, you know, the companies that continue to operate, that will be key, but it's just to the point where it's, you know, th there's this, the, the cost to produce shale 
is at the really the lowest that it can get to and so you know the next step would be consolidation that's a great point i forgot about that that's a really really good point um yeah anyway so what else we got go ahead sorry well yeah and the the no, the 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 last uh, I guess gloomy point to this conversation, which is not a fun one to have, is uh, if if we sustain below you know forty fifty dollars a barrel for you know the next couple of years, which I don't know if that'll happen, but uh, <laughs> Pioneer CEO Scott Sheffield was quoted saying that probably fifty percent of the public EMPs will go bankrupt over the next two years. That's pretty pretty shocking um, but then again Jurgen, the uh um you know the guy i mentioned previously he he says that he doesn't think that this um, low price environment can last too long because it's not only affecting the u.s shale but it's affecting saudi and russia so i don't know if this oil price war will last for you know years it, it may be months but the other thing it's interesting that russia's prime minister putin has a there basically an election coming up April twenty second, and so I think that's where some of the politics come into play. Um, we'll see what uh, I I think there will we will see su- suppressed pricing over the next two months, and uh, that may be when we see a lot of this M and A consolidation, but it, but it will probably continue you know throughout the year. You know I'm a little surprised that the um, American energy independence uh, bravado hasn't been brushed off yet because this is the exact reason why we wanted to be uh, independent, why we did not want to rely on OPEC, why everybody would get behind Trump when he said that we're, we're going to ditch him and leave him behind. We're going to produce our own energy. And this is a great example I'm, you know, I'm a, do you know what I mean by that, John? I'm a little surprised that that bravado hasn't been brushed off by now. Like we got to get back to American in, in, energy independence once again, because the one thing that you said that you're right on is that if you control the supply of energy, you can control the economy. Now you didn't say those words, but you did. And so, I mean, you danced around it with your geopolitical talk, but at the end of the day, that's the bottom line. If you can really control somebody's uh, energy supply, you can also really impact their economy. And that's exactly what happened over the last week. You're right. And one thing I'll talk more about in the future is something called the petrodollar. It's uh, basically when when America came off the gold standard, um, with Richard Nixon in the 70s, after the oil Arab embargo, the, the basically the U.S. and the International Monetary Fund decided to make the dollar on, instead of the gold standard, basically the oil standard. And that is what is called the petrodollar. It requires all oil exporting nations to sell their barrels of oil in U.S. dollars. So there is a link between the U.S. economy and oil in other parts of the world which doesn't always get talked about, but it's there. Well, and we've talked about this in our program before a couple times in the past, but we always preface it. We always started off by saying these are conversations we have off the record, usually after a couple cocktails late at night in a lounge somewhere. 
because that's the type of environment where these conversations get talked about because it is it is really a 5000 5000 foot view and just to add on what you're talking about with the petrodollars a lot of times when i have these conversations it's more about the the, the dollar is backed by the country that has the military that can protect the flow of energy and right now the flow of energy is fossil fuels so the country that has the military and the cooperation and the political savvy to really control and protect the flow of energy has control of the dollar. And that's really what it's backed by. And, you know, it's kind of what you're talking about. But I just wanted to add that little extra layer of the, you know, the military in there, because that's a big component of it, too. Right. Winston Churchill was quoted by saying that he who has the oil wins the war. So it's, and it, you know, and that's what Jurgen talks about in his book about energy security. Uh, and and you're right. We, our industry doesn't give enough. We don't get enough credit um, for all the work that's been done to, you know, unlock shale resources. And, and I think in the future, you know, I think Saudi Arabia is looking at shale, you know, South America. Um, there's a lot of potential for for shale to take American ingenuity and the innovations that we've learned here and apply that elsewhere. That's really, you know, Americans are the ones that discovered oil in the first place for the whole world. So it's, uh, you know, it's amazing. Well, I got some homework for you, sir, because I'm going to put my tinfoil hat on for a second. And I... I also believe that it's not even a tinfoil hat anymore because I, I'm starting to have these conversations publicly, which I couldn't have before. Um, in fact, my my program I had yesterday with Dr. Lawrence C. Scott, we talked about this, which is the amount of foreign companies. And what we talked about with Dr. Scott was the amount of foreign companies that are getting into the natural gas world. Because like over in Europe, for example, natural gas is 12, 13, 14, 15 bucks you know, for per MCF. And over in the United States, you can get it for under three bucks. You can get it for like two bucks. So what some of these foreign companies are doing is they're going down to Lake Charles. They're going down to Corpus Christi and they're building petrochemical plants instead of doing it over in Europe because they're saving 10, 12 bucks, you know, per MCF. And so the savings is incredible. And because of the global economy and the global market we live in today, they can do that. And part of my conspiratorial mind, which I don't think it is anymore, I wonder how much of this is so foreign companies can come in and buy up some companies that are going to be impacted by this. So I don't know if you want to comment on that or if you want to do some homework on that. But do, do you kind of do, do you see where I'm going with that, John? Yeah, I, I mean, I'll have to do some homework on that. It's not, that's interesting. I uh, I do know that the natural gas to Europe is a big deal, and that you know that Trump put sanctions on Russia's Nord Stream two pipeline, which would basically buckle down their hold on Europe's gas supply, and that threatens U.S. LNG. So that's uh, another interesting political dynamic. Um, LNG is 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 the way of the future, but it's. It's suffering too right now at less than two bucks in MCF. I think. And I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm not saying good, bad, and different because, hey, listen, if somebody from France comes in and wants to buy your company and it's going to better your family, that's great. That's To me, that's what capitalism's all about. Go enjoy your retirement. Go, go have fun. 
you know, go start a new company, maybe go buy a, a Subway franchise, a Whataburger, whatever you want to do, man, have fun. And so I get that. But at the same time, um, if you're, you know, if, if you've got that much control from the OPEC side of things where you can impact the market and then turn around and come in and pick up the pieces, that's a different story. That's kind of like uh, insider trading baseball type of a thing. So um, anyway, that's just, see, this is what happens when you get involved with John Clark and the Clark Energy Consulting with his OG briefs. It's like bubble gum for the mind. It just start, you start chewing it around, man. <laughs> Anyway, but so what else we got this week? Anything to wrap up? I know we kind of uh, went a little bit into overtime, but we had to because right now people need to know what's going on and you're in the business of allowing people the information that you have and giving them the insight that you have. So let's uh, kind of what else we talking about and summarize and keep things moving here. Yeah, no, I, I would just say keep your heads up. Uh, you know, if, if you got time to check out those two books by Daniel Jurgen, I highly do recommend it. And um, yeah, buckle up for, for a fun ride. And how can people get your information, contact you, give yourself a plug if you wouldn't mind? Sure, you can go to ClarkEnergyConsulting.com. And uh, if you'd like to book a consultation with me, you can do so online. <laughs> Thanks for having me on the show, Jason. But now I'm back at the bar again Hanging out with all my rowdy friends Getting drunk and singing redneck songs I'll probably stay here, baby, all night long Pour me a beer and a shot of jam The Crude Life is sponsored in part by Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery. Whiskey glass, hanging out with friends and having a blast. My mom and dad think it's a waste of time. Not anymore. Drinking beer and riding redneck rhymes. I think I'll do it just as long as I can. That's why I'm back at the bar again. And that's going to do it for today's yeah, Crude Life Podcast. I'd like to thank John Clark with Clark Energy Consulting for coming by today's program and talking to us a little bit about some of the oil price wars, politics, and how it's shale fight for survival. William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group, coming up in just a moment or two with our daily radio update here on the podcast. And then headlines, the links are available at the crudelife.com show page. Our sponsor today, Elite Energy Services. Thank you very much for being a sponsor. And if you'd like to sponsor The Crude Life, feel free to email jason at thecrudelife.com because here at The Crude Life, it is our mission, not only to keep our lights on, but to let people know that it takes more than just the flick of the switch, that it takes the hardworking men and women out there like Elite Energy Services. Elite Energy Services' mission is to be the most honest and ethical trade partner of choice, to deliver high-quality, cost-effective projects on schedule by employing and supporting motivated, flexible, and focused teams. They value the importance of their relationships and will continue to remain fair and true to their dealings with all employees, clients, vendors, and partners. For more information, visit EliteEnergyServices.org. Our featured event today, the 83rd Annual Convention and Expo, the Kyoga, K-I-O-G-A, Mid-Year Meeting in the Clarion Inn in Garden City, Kansas. Of course, that's the uh, Kansas Oil and Gas Association. 
Interstate Oil and Gas Association. And their annual meeting, their mid-year meeting is happening. The 83rd annual mid-year meeting is happening at the Clarion in Garden City, April 15th through the 17th. Our social media moment, we have the links available at the crudelife.com show page as well. Could oil really fall less than $10 a barrel? And of course, that we got a few responses from that. Chad P., James Richardson, Jack Hamlin, they all joined in the party. So we uh, posted some of those social media moments for you folks at thecrudelife.com. Johnny Green, the Earth's champion with his eco watch, the main challenges faced by the upcoming EV era. Check it out, folks. There's some legitimate questions there. Johnny Green, the greatest environmentalist on earth, letting us know that environmentalists have lost their way and you can't do renewables without fossil fuelables. Thank you once again to Blind Joe for being part of our Crude Life Music crossover. If you have a band from your area that you would like featured on this program, feel free to email jason at thecrudelife.com and we'll work it out with the band to find out if it's something that we can work together on because at the end of the day, we are really, we are energy united. We really want to make sure that we create a united front when it comes to energy. One of the ways to do that is to reach out to people outside of the industry. And the music industry is a great partner to have. And here's why. They need to amp up their music. They want to crank it up. And what better way to crank it up than have reliable everyday energy? So I don't know about you folks, but I'm much happier knowing that the crude life is working with musicians so that the artists and the entertainment industry is promoting the energy industry instead of protesting it. So one of the ways that we're doing that, and thank you, Blind Joe, for being part of the Crude Life crossover. I thank Hatch Coaching for being our studio sponsor and the Bakken Barbecue for being our phone line sponsor. Of course, the Crude Life podcast can be heard every Monday through Thursday with a week in review on Friday. Provolone, our entitled intern, thank you very much for the job you did today. Of course, Provolone comes to us from his mama and papa OGC, his parents own a modest oil and gas company, Mama and Papa Oil and Gas Company, OGC, and that's where that acronym comes from. But they decided to reach out to me and ask if we could teach Provolone, their son, some hard work because he was majoring in entitlement at the university. So here we decided to teach him some of the more uh, crude approaches to life, how to live the crude life, if you will. So provolone, great job today. And you do find out, is that, okay, is that Senator Kevin Kramer? Are we, uh, you give me a thumbs up, okay. Is he coming on today? No? Manana? Okay, manana. It'll be tomorrow. Okay, tomorrow. Thumbs up on tomorrow. Senator Kevin Kramer looks like the interview. I don't know if he'll be on tomorrow's podcast, but he'll definitely be posted at thecrudelife.com. I mean, if we do it tomorrow, it depends on when we does it. Okay, he's going to be in the afternoon we do the interview, so it'll be next. Okay, so uh, crudelife.com, folks, in the Week in Review as well. Uh, U.S. Senator Kevin Kramer will join us, and I got a number of questions to ask him about the oil and gas industry. They call a must-listen to, folks, coming up later on this week here at The Crude Life and thecrudelife.com. All right, folks, that's going to do it here for The Crude Life Podcast. My name is Jason Spies asking you to always remember, energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. The Crude Life with host Jason Spies.
My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Crude Life Daily Update. On today's episode, we talk with William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group. In just a minute, part of our exclusive interview with William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group, right here on the Crude Life Daily Update. As we've talked before, you can take advantage of all the latest developments in the industry, and that begins with the latest developments in chemical engineering, and that allows us to design uh, pressure vessels, reactor vessels, in a way that makes use of the latest catalyst and latest control technology. Uh, It's going to be the smartest refinery in the world when it's done in terms of digital controls and the way we we handle, uh, you know, monitoring and simulation as part of the operating regime. Uh, Testing is going to be done a lot more frequently, more real-time, in terms of both crude oil coming in and products going out. Several areas of the plant uh, have even been changed for the better in the last six months, Uh, like ground-level flaring. They'll be only on an emergency basis. You're not going to have a big, giant flare stack going all the way, you know, into the late-night hours like you see in many older refineries. Um, Also, it's going to be safer. I mean, safety is a big deal. Uh, It used to be that, uh, you know, constructing a refinery like this would have been considered almost as dangerous as being in the underground mining industry. Uh, We're not going to tolerate that. Uh, We already uh, have on staff uh, a group of guys that are planning uh, all the safety and training programs to eliminate those kinds of concerns from operating refinery. You shouldn't be asked to take your life in your hands to go to work for us out there. you know, and, and as we've seen over the past year, there have been some horrendous accidents in process plants with loss of life and serious industry. That's not going to happen at our facility. Um, again, it, you cannot approach the industry in a narrow self, you know, self-interested manner like it has been done in the past. Um, it's good that the industry is not going to allow any companies to do that anymore. It's very good that the financial community is going to require a much more responsible approach to building an operating plant like that. And again, you know, it's it's really amazing to us that uh, this has suddenly caught on. You know, it's it's you know, it's like okay, after seven, six or seven years, uh, we're suddenly an overnight success on this and other areas. To listen to the full-length interview with William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group, or to listen to other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. From the staff here at the Crude Life Daily Update, my name is Jason Spies, reminding you that it's more than an industry, it's a way of life. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by Historic the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery. Here we go. Hamburger steaks, holiday inns. That's the kind of world that I live in. I play a different town most every night. Love on my woman, write a new song. That's my life. 
Well, that's my life. Yes, y'all, and I love it. Well, that's my life. There ain't nothing else in the world above it. And I see people all alone picking their guitars, playing their songs, and I tell them, forget it. You can't fake it, you're gonna make it, you gotta live it. I got a big bus with a TV and a bar, and a little room in the back for me and my old guitar. I gotta stop and fuel up every 500 miles, give a picture to the waitress, eat a late breakfast, country style. Cause that's my life, yes, y'all, and I love it. That's my life, there ain't nothing else in the world above it. And I see people all alone, picking their guitars, playing their songs. I tell them, forget it. Cause you can't fake it, you're gonna make it, you gotta live it. We get home from Nashville on a Monday night. Record songs on Tuesday, and on Wednesday we take out the wife. But then on Thursday night, it's back on the road. I don't care if it's North Dakota or Southern Minnesota, just as long as I grow. Cause that's my life, yes, y'all, and I love it. That's my life, there ain't nothing else in the world above it. And I see people all alone Picking their guitars, playing their songs And I tell them, forget it Cause you can't fake it If you're gonna make it, you gotta live it Yeah, brother, you can't fake it If you're gonna make it, you gotta live it It seems everywhere I go these days, someone is telling me about the success of Hatch Coaching. Listen to what professional speaker Mark J. Lindquist has to say. To see Eric Hatch grow his business and then start to share it with other people, I think is one of those great steps in life. You know, what do you do in society? You succeed at a thing and then you teach other people how you did it. And now to see Eric duplicating his genius across the country, I'm telling you. There's a world changer down the street, and his name is Eric Hatch. For more information, call 701-212-1572 or visit coachingwithhatch.com. That's coachingwithhatch.com. The Crude Life, every Monday through Thursday with a week in review on Friday.